Welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. We are sisters who love to chat and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. We want to share the stories of ordinary people and have some laughs along the way. I'm Delight. I'm the older one. I'm August, and I'm the younger one. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. Jeepers, Christian, we've been recording for the last, like, three seconds. <laughs> Jumped in. All right. Hello, everyone. We are here with my oldest and, I was going to say, favorite brother. But, like, <laughs> that you're going to say, like, best looking. That goes yeah. without saying. Our best looking brother, Christian Christman. We still didn't do the photo. Oh, yeah. Is in the studio here with us today. I did my hair. Lord willing, you will not hear any noises in the background from children because they're totally all being quiet and sleeping and not really close to us right now. They're all perfect children. They children, never make noise. Children are a blessing from the Lord and so are Jordans. Jordans are a blessing. <laughs> I was thinking Jordans children are Jordans. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second to process that one. Anyway, well. we have our, our brother Christian Christman here with us today. Hello. We're very happy to have him. Mm-hmm. Um, would you just... Well, Introduce first of yourself all, to I us? just want to say thank you for having me over to play. <laughs> so nice. Having you over to play? Yeah. So before I left home, I was getting ready, and <laughs> I was talking to Zamira, my youngest, and I go, well, I'm going to go to Harrison's tonight, so I have to go. And she was like, okay. And then she walked out, and my little bit older daughter, who's almost three, not quite three, walks in. And so she hears that I said I'm going to Harrison's, so she knows what's going on. So she then, of course, asks me, what are you doing? Where are you going? And I say, <laughs> well, I'm going to Harrison's house. And she goes, oh, are you going to play with Auntie D? <laughs> or, no, no, no. no he didn't, she didn't say Auntie D. She said, are you going to play with his mama? He's <laughs> like, yep, Aww, that's what I'm doing. That's so cute. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me over to play. They're so cute. So fun. We Marco Polo pretty often in the morning. Happy you're here to play. (laughs) And Christian's kids are much more; they have a lot more to say on Marco Polo to me than they do in person. Mm -hmm. At Marco Polo, they're very like all want to be in the camera and are whatever. Right, gotta get in that. And then in person, you know, a little bit, but like, yeah, it's just pretty funny. The girls are like, okay, well, right, they're not as outgoing. Champion is yes. Anyway, champion on (laughs) on Marco Polo this afternoon. Champion. God, and he goes, hey, Auntie D. He goes, my dad's coming over to your house tonight. I'm like, I'm aware. <laughs> I invited him. He didn't know. <laughs> he likes to let people know the obvious. I invited him. He does love the obvious. <laughs> he just likes to, he's like a sanguine, so he wants to like talk and interact. Yes. So like, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's relevant or not. <laughs> we're going to figure out something to like chatter about. Yes. I love it. All right. So Christian, would you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? A little bit about myself. Goodness, I didn't prepare to talk about myself. <laughs> no, really? no. I didn't really think about it at all, honestly. I figured I'd be good to go. But um, I am 32 years old. I'm to the point now where I have to think about how old I am. <laughs> right. I always remember that being like the weirdest thing. Um, people trying to like remember like, wait, am I 31 or am I 32? Yeah, it's really weird when it happens. Because I remember, like, the first time it happened, I was, like, 
taken back to like when you're eight and you hear like an adult trying to think of what age they are <laughs> you're like they're totally baloney like how do they not know what age they are that's ridiculous most thing i've ever heard in my life when you're eight you're like i am eight and three quarters and, <laughs> and two one days blue moon <laughs> away and eight hours yes exactly anyway so i'm to that point now where i do have to actually kind of think about wait which year did i just turn 32 or did i Am I about to turn 32? I, I can't remember. I'm close. I know that I'm in my 30s. I know that I'm in my early 30s. So that's good. Um, I am married. I just had my eight-year anniversary Ooh. to a lovely Elizabeth Crispin. She was Sutherland. And we have three kids and one that is ready to pop. Pretty much any day here. <laughs> Sometime in the next three to five weeks. I, I hope he doesn't pop. <laughs> that, uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't pop. My wife hopefully will pop him out. That would be good. So I am a small business owner. More. I work with my father. He and I are partners. And I basically, from the time I was 13, 14, I knew that I did not enjoy college. And, or not enjoy learning at <laughs> like, all. Really, you went to I college. Didn't I didn't want know to this. go to college. I should say. I knew that I didn't like school, um, and I knew that I really did enjoy working with my hands and doing uh, doing the small business stuff with my dad. And so I learned as much as I could about how all that stuff was done, how it was run, and uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that in the spring. Once. Uh, once it was nice enough that dad could be working, I was normally not doing school with him and I was out working and I worked into the fall when most kids would have been back to school. I didn't do a whole lot of school when I was 15, 16. Um, even starting then, I would work into the fall into a lot of times close to November before I'd really be focused back on school. So yeah, I did that. Always kind of knew that I enjoyed that and have always stuck with it. So he and I became partners and I run that business with him. We make gravestones. So we make monuments and uh, yeah, things for memorializing people. And that's what I do for work. I uh, enjoy doing that quite a lot. Uh, did I talk about my kids? I've got three kids. So I've got Champion, my oldest, and then I've got Zamira, who is my youngest, and then I've got Zoe in the middle. And the two girls are just about going to be turning two and three. And my son is turning seven at the end of this month. So he can probably tell you exactly how many hours away. He probably can. Yes, he knows for sure. (laughs) And so that uh, yeah, between running a business and a family that keeps me pretty busy. But I also am the worship director at my church, so that's another thing that keeps me very busy, uh, very involved with uh, doing worship. And that's probably, yeah, the thing that I enjoy um, out of any hobby or any kind of thing I do. I love I love playing guitar, I love worshiping, and uh, that's probably one of the things that I'm the most passionate about. I love Jesus and I just, I love to worship. I love to, whether it's on a stage in front of people or whether it's just by myself in my car, um, I often, that's what I'm doing. I'm worshiping. I got worship music going all the time. That's kind of what I do. Does that, what what's involved with the worship director? Like you make the teams, make the schedule, yeah. all yep. of that sort of I thing? I do the admin stuff. Yep. Okay. So, and... 
I do that. And I'm also, yeah, one of the main worship leaders then. Mm-hmm. Um, me and the senior pastor are the two kind of main leaders. So we switch back and forth week to week, but I take care of kind of who's going to be on, which drummer we're going to have, which guitar player, that kind of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I really, I just got started doing that right before COVID uh, kind of shut all churches and everything down. So it was kind of mm-hmm. funny because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this position. Then, like, we didn't do anything for months. So that was kind of funny. Did you guys do anything online or anything like that during this time? Yeah, we uh, we did different things. We did some recordings, which I hope people do not go and look up because <laughs> they're a little rough. They're uh, by no means professional. It's hard when, like, there is a really high level of excellence in the worship CDs and albums and songs that people are writing. Right. And uh, so that can definitely be a struggle as somebody that's at a small church with a handful of musicians. Right. Um, you know, that kind of comparing to this crazy standard of um, musicianship and, yeah, just the stuff that they're able to do. And a lot of times they've got more people on stage on any given Sunday than and I have an option to have to make any team ever like. Right. So right. it's just not realistic. But the. The comparing you're saying like comparing to yeah, say a worship CD or. Right. There's know, no point to compare. How are we listen to music these days? <laughs> not know, CDs CD probably. or YouTube iTunes, videos YouTube. or iTunes. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it is. Um, YouTube. Streaming. Stupid ads. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. That was random. I'm sorry. And literally I just started listening to a song recently and there's three ads throughout the song oh you're at the wrong spot then you can't listen to people that have songs like that well so that means they're probably bootlegging it the person that actually owns the song and puts it on they're just going to put on there'll be like one ad in the beginning and one one at the end wow (laughs) you learned so much just fyi yeah that's funny but anyway so yeah not uh trying not to compare to uh the different CDs and things that are being released. I think I'm always trying to work towards personal excellence, but you kind of have to know that my personal excellence is going to be at a different level than somebody that that's their career. That's how they make a living. I'm not going to be able to do that. But the cool thing is that has no bearing on the actual worship and whether, Mm -hmm. you know, the Holy spirit comes and whether he moves like, doesn't matter how amazing it sounds or how great it is um or how many people you're you know you're on stage in front of like none of that matters yeah some of my most powerful times of worship have been just times of personal worship by myself just me and my guitar i don't need you know a whole band or a whole thing yeah me too i feel like the same as far as yeah when you're just alone and yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot of hoopla and a whole lot of production to right to be uh to be great. It's kind of funny. I remember hmm. when I came back from my first trip to India. I've been to India two different times. And the first time I was there being with people and we went to many many different church services and so seeing the um very low tech you know, mm-hmm. options for ways to do worship. And sometimes it's just people up with a tambourine and singing and leading a acapella. Um, sometimes it's somebody on a keyboard, but they're 
a little too far away from the soundboard and so there's like a connector cord and it like pulls apart in the middle and then you know have to just stop and plug it back in and you mm-hmm. know then keep going so i'm in services like that one sunday and then the next sunday i was in london at hillsong london and they're in like a beautiful theater in london i have no clue what theater it was i don't remember but it's beautiful <laughs> you should and know those kind of details you know, I walk in and I walk past a soundboard that's, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars probably. It's just, you know, I don't know exactly how much it costs, but I know that stuff is expensive. And there's lights and there's smoke and there's 15 people on stage. And I remember it was really hard when worship started. I was just kind of sitting there. It was like this really, after being in India and seeing some of the poverty and some of the stuff, seeing kind of the excess of this style of worship was really hard. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, it just almost leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And as I was kind of thinking these things and kind of like, man, you know, how do I reconcile this? Um, I felt like the Holy Spirit reminded me of, um, reminded me of the temple and reminded me that, you know, of how awesomely it was adorned and all the gold and all the, you know, cedar from Lebanon was brought and all this stuff and how it was Mm. made grandiose and it was to exalt and to worship God and to show how good he was and to honor him in the best way possible. And I remember God just said to me, like, it's my job to worry about the orphans and, and the widows. Like, if they're worshiping and they're spending money to do this and to worship me in this way, like I receive that offering and I know where their hearts are at and that's what matters. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not about the lights and the lights are not either good or bad. Um, and so I don't know, that really impacted me. I love that. Like, and that's exactly what I was going to say is just that it's about the heart and the same with like me, I lead worship in my church and it's just me and my piano and I'm, yeah. So like any wrong chord you hit or any, anything you hear, you know, like it's different yeah. than if you had yeah. more, there's just no room for air, even though like I'm very imperfect and I'm doing it like as unto the Lord and just with my heart, not really for the perfection of it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it kind of brought up a, a th- one time I was pretty young, like a teenager probably. And I remember I was listening to someone singing like really off key and I was really like judging them <laughs> in my heart. Like first singing out off. And key. the thing is like, <laughs> why would you even like, sing? <laughs> they don't have control of it, but because, but when you know, when you can sing on right. key, it's kind of like, you hear it, whatever. Anyway. And like, I was kind of almost like, whatever rolling my eyes in my head at them or whatever Mm. and i feel like instantly i felt like the lord was just like uh i am enjoying this Mm -hmm. like i Mm. am like they are singing to me so like yeah i felt you know it he's always the lord's voice is always so gentle i feel like even Mm -hmm. when you're being admonished or whatever you know (laughs) and it was just knocks you over but at the same time it's such a gentle way it was Mm -hmm. like not a defining moment, but a moment that I remember of just the Lord saying, like realizing, you know what? Worship is not about the performance anyway. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, like, did you feel 
different? Like, did you feel the presence of the Lord in a different way there? Like in both of those places, like in London or in India, like, did you, did it feel like one was more weighty than the other? Th- that you no. can remember? No, okay. No. That's kind of what you're I, saying. Right? I wasn't able to enter in at the beginning when I'm sitting there and like struggling and right. kind of judging what's going on and calculating in my head how many thousands of dollars went in to produce this whole thing. Right. And how many, worship time. You know, how many orphans that could have taken care of in India. You know, I'm kind of doing the, you know, you do that cynical thing in the back of your head, right? You're like calculating, tabulating, like, oh, well, they spent this on this speaker and this and this. Like, it probably was this much money. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, um, how about you don't worry about things that you don't need to worry about? Did you already say this about the perfume when she anointed him? No. I was like, that wasn't the example you used, right? But that's what it made me think of. Like, when the Pharisees were kind of like, do you know how much money she just spent? And he was like, you know what? She did what she could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool to think about. And that's the thing. It doesn't matter if it's the the bottle of perfume that's worth a year's salary. Yeah. Or if it's the widow's mite. Right. Like it all equals the same in the kingdom. And that's, yeah, that's the cool thing. That's the beautiful thing. Like it doesn't matter. It matters where your heart is in your intention. Um, you know, not the actual amount. Yeah. Um, so with that, though, then, I kind of was starting by talking about the, you know, striving for personal, not perfection, but uh, for personal excellence. Uh, I like excellence better than perfection because perfection has a more of a negative context, I think, mm-hmm. and it's more unachievable. Right. Um, but, yeah, I am not just an extremely naturally gifted musician. I've had to work very hard for every little bit of of musicianship that I do have and rhythm doesn't just come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um when I first started learning to play guitar, um I never really was like, "Oh, I want to like lead worship on stages, so I better learn how to play guitar so I can do that." Um I just wanted to worship. And so different times my dad played and you guys played and so I was different times trying to pick up the guitar and I'd like learn two chords and then like I'd try and it would hurt and it just never sounded good and I couldn't do it. And so I stopped many different times and then finally I just kind of pushed through and just kept playing and playing and playing. And when I got to the point where I could switch between two basic chords and just kind of go back and forth then I would just spend hours sometimes in my room just worshiping, making up my own songs or looking up the simplest songs I could find and playing those. (laughs) Um, And I would just get lost in worship and that's how I learned how to play guitar. Um, And I loved it. But then since then, I've had to put a lot of time in working on my craft Um, and still I feel like (laughs) I'm so inadequate for the position that I have as, you know, worship director. I don't know music theory much at all like I know a tiny little bit that I pick up here and there but almost none and so I'm trying to learn that and I'm always trying to improve on on what I know on guitar so that so yeah once I got to the point where I could play just two chords back and forth I would just get lost in worship playing and singing and I would make up my own songs and just sing out whatever and I would look for the easiest two chord songs I could find and and play those and I would just I loved it. 
And that's what I did for a long time. But from there, like, I've had to work on my my musicianship a lot because there's, I still feel like there's so much more I wish I could do and I want to do. And I want to get to that point where when the Holy Spirit's moving and doing something, I'm not just constrained by my ability to play my instrument. I want to be able to just freely worship because I can freely play and do things um, the way it talks about in the Bible. Uh, David being able to do with his harp, you know, it talked about how he was proficient with his harp. Right. Um, so yeah, I want to get to that point. I just love that. And I, yep. I don't know if it's like you either have that desire or don't Mm. like, I love the idea of it, but it's not like, I don't actually have the desire to be there even though, even though I'm like, that sounds great. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's a lot like... of work it's a lot of work it's not fun yeah especially so for me after i actually did start playing a little more and i started leading a little bit here and there and stuff uh, one day after i had led somewhere uh dad got up and shared something about how you know he's just was just kind of saying um I guess honoring me a little bit and just saying, wow, that's really good what you've done and you've pressed in uh, to be able to develop this gift. And he said, as a father, when you started playing guitar and I'd hear you practicing, I would always kind of feel bad because I knew that you were not good at it and I knew that you would never be able to actually do it. So like as a father, I kind of felt bad and, uh, but you pushed through to the point where now you can do something that I thought you would never be able to do. And so that really encouraged me a lot, I think, and spurred me on. And, uh, yeah, I've always, like, I love that moment. I always tell that story, I think, because it was, yeah, it was nice to know that somebody acknowledged and saw, like, the road it took me to be able to get where I'm at. Yes. Um, And I'm still, you know, I'm trying to continue to learn and to do better. And I think part of my desire for that comes out of, like, as I get, better on my instrument like i'll notice there is times in worship where like i can press in for more and go to somewhere that i would not have been able to go to three years ago and you don't Um, have to think about it like it's natural right you're able to to lead in a different way and you're able to do a lot less worrying about playing and singing and a lot more worshiping right um and when you're just by yourself it really doesn't matter because it's just you but when you have other people that are worshiping with you that you're trying to help lead right you want to create the least distraction for them to be able to do that at a high level um i think yeah that's why i am encouraged to kind of keep working at it and to keep getting there to that place i guess on piano i guess i can do that a bit especially when it is kind of just flowing like, I've never really worked with, well, not in years, probably 20 years, of, like a team. Yeah. Like, it's very different. when I was a teenager, I I led a team at times, but I haven't really, um, in a long time, led a team. So, like, I guess when it comes to, like what I was just saying, I guess in some ways, just myself, with a song especially that I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. that helps too, I think. Yeah. Like, learning specific songs, like... Yeah, when you're familiar or even with like a chord progression or whatever. Anyway, 
um yeah it's interesting to think about but i think it's i think we could i don't know i think people go both ways you know people might be like oh that's i think some people could view that as like a waste of time or yeah you know like or kind of self-centered or whatever you just want to look good or whatever right i don't i don't think that's true like i think there it's right like you're saying cutting down on the distraction yes yeah i was just i was leading worship for like a small group just me and my piano and i'm always aware of the fact that i wish that i had like a team with me every time it's just me on the piano even though it's nice because it can just kind of be intimate and more intimate songs but Mm -hmm. you can't play right you cannot play an upbeat song and have it be the way that it should be dynamics are not the same yeah and yeah and i was just telling someone that night because they were being really sweet and encouraging and just saying oh that was just so good and and whatever and i was just saying things and then i was like but i just wish that i could have a team behind me and that i wouldn't have to even play that i could just focus on completely worshiping and not because i would love to do that part of it and i feel like i could even do more spontaneous stuff where when i'm having to think about the piano too yeah because yeah because i don't want to be distracting people yeah it makes a huge difference yeah i've been thinking about that more recently myself like i kind of would like to if i could get another guitar player that i felt confident in having play for me instead of just playing myself Mm -hmm. um yeah i like that idea of not having an instrument that i have to worry about at all so i can just focus on the singing um and on worshiping because it just yeah. cuts out a lot. Because I feel like I probably never will get to the place I want to get with my guitar where I can just fully do what I can, lead a band, and take people into the same places that I go by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get that level of proficiency, but yeah. it doesn't really matter if I do or don't. But I think that, yeah, it, the idea of not playing guitar and laying that down, even though I love playing the guitar, um, that might be... A good way to to at least try something different, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, see what happens with it. Yeah, that's kind of my favorite. Like, and actually, like for me, this has happened more in like private settings, not like in an actual church service. But like, I tend when I'm leading worship, I tend to kind of preach within the worship set a lot of times, and so I love when I have a team and which sometimes that just looks like, okay, August keep playing while I talk kind of thing. And so that is kind of my favorite is to be able to like, I like to have an, I like to lead with an instrument, Mm -hmm. but then to be able to like step away from your instrument and having, you know, have the music keep going anyway. Well, one of the things I feel like there's lots of subjects we could (laughs) go, go into, but one of the reasons when we asked you to come on and be a guest Christian was um, Elizabeth, your wife shared on her episode, which I don't have the number at the top of my head. I'll get it for you in about one minute. (laughs) Um, Just about some of your, the journey the two of you have gone on and how you have uh, walked through some miscarriages together. And I think it's kind of a unique perspective that I don't feel like I hear a lot to hear kind of the the father's um side of that and Mm -hmm. how it affects kind of like the male the male figure whatever I feel like you hear women talk about it a lot more and so 
I just thought, or we thought, whatever, that I'd like to hear kind of from your side, your perspective of walking through those losses and how it's affected um, your life. So if you would share some of that story with us, I would love it. Sure. The, uh, my son champion was born in 2013 and then the next year in October we had a miscarriage and it coincided with Canadian Thanksgiving. We were actually, uh, traveling from New York to Canada to, uh, to be with her family for Thanksgiving. The week before we traveled, uh, she had started having some issues, having some bleeding and stuff, and so we knew, hey, something's up. And we went to the doctor, and they did an ultrasound and said, yeah, everything's fine. The baby looks good. The heartbeat sounds good. You know, nothing to worry about. Probably was just a little bit of, you know, discharge. It doesn't matter. No big deal. And so that was fine. We went back home, but she, we knew something wasn't quite right for that whole next week. Like, there was just some bleeding a little bit every day. Um the day that we left on our trip, we went, or she went, actually, I didn't go with her to that that appointment. She went to the midwife, and again, the midwife put the Doppler on and listened to the heartbeat and said, yeah, the heartbeat's strong, sounds good, you know, the baby's doing well. And I was like, okay, cool, like, that's that's really good, that's encouraging, like, we went to the hospital, they had good news, went to the midwife, like, she had good news, um, so I felt like, okay, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be fine. I was a little bit, you know, nervous at first, but it had been a week, so I wasn't really too worried about it. Um, the night before actually she started to have a miscarriage, um, or started having issues, I I should say, we were at a gathering with some friends and we were praying and doing some prophecy and stuff. And I got kind of a word that I felt was for Elizabeth and, it was a, I can still remember it really clearly, which is kind of funny because I don't always remember that kind of stuff, but it was a picture of like the desert when it's all dried up and cracked and mm-hmm. there's these huge open cracks and uh, and it was just that feeling of, you know, barren, empty wasteland and then the rains came and it just flooded you know, and it was like a foot of water over to, it must've been like what you would think of like the African plains when they just flood and then green just shoots out, right? Like all this growth and all this stuff shot out. Mm. So I shared that word with my wife. I was like, yeah, this is really cool. Like it's kind of an exciting word. Um, you know, like God's got all this growth and stuff coming for you and, (laughs) and stuff. And of course the next day she wakes up and isn't feeling right and, and is bleeding and all this stuff. And I never really connected those dots um, until later on, how interesting that was. But the trip up, we were on our way, and about halfway there, there's a spot, um, spot on the highway where many times, I mean, I made that trip, I don't know how many times when we were dating And when we were engaged back and forth and I went to school in Toronto for a while. So like I'd been on that highway so many times and that particular stretch was always a spot where a lot of times I might be listening to a podcast or a book or anything. But a lot of times when I'd get there, I would turn whatever I was listening to off and just put some worship music on. And so many times I just had really, really great times of fellowship with the Lord and I would just pray 
and I would just feel the Holy Spirit there so strong um, that it would just kind of prompt me when I would get to that spot, be like, oh, like this is my spot with God. Like I'm going to shut off whatever and turn on and just have some time with him. And so I did that. I don't know how many times I did that, but many, many, many times. And this particular trip on the way up, I got to that spot and I said to Elizabeth, I was like, oh, this kind of spot used to be my God spot. Um, you know, I just said I would always put on worship music and worship, but now like I'm normally talking with you or champions, you know, you know, awake or doing stuff. And so now that we travel together, this spot, I don't really do that anymore. And she's like, well, why don't you just put some headphones in? And back then I didn't have like $1,300 headphones or anything, but I did have some <laughs> okay, you know, in-ears I could pop in and kind of block the road out and everything else and Christian just drive and worship. really love his headphones. I mean, he has his children, <laughs> his wife, his children, and then, you know. Custom in-ears. I just, I just like got custom that... in-ear monitors a few months ago and I'm in love with them. It's kind of like the people who don't have a garage and then they get one and then they never go back to not having a garage. Exactly. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> Where did that example sure come from? Oh, it just came into my head and I just decided, it's true. let's say it, August. Okay. <laughs> she felt the need to talk. So all right. All go right. for I it. Know. I anyways. Much. Anyways. So she encouraged me, put some headphones on and just, you know, I'm going to, it was late at night. We were traveling. It was like probably 930, 10 o'clock at night. She's like, I'm just going to go to sleep. I think and champion was sleeping in the back. So she's like, just pop some headphones in and just, you know, have some time and just worship. Like, I don't care. Um, you know, you're not going to hurt my feelings by ignoring me for a while. So I was like, okay, cool. So I popped the headphones in and I just started to worship a little bit, started to pray and immediately, almost immediately, like within a minute or two, probably of starting to, to worship and pray. I felt prompted to pray for Elizabeth and to pray over the baby and, um, really just felt the Holy Spirit so strong and I felt that he gave me the name Leanne Taylor, which we didn't know the gender of the baby or anything. But I felt so strongly that God was saying, you know, this is the name for your, this is the name for your child, Leanne Taylor. And I was like, actually, I don't remember, think it was, I don't think I got Taylor. I think I just got Leanne, if I remember correctly. Um, I think Taylor I added on later. Um, but yeah, I got strong... I got so strong, the, the name Leanne. And so I was just praying for Elizabeth and praying over the baby and kept driving and just really had a, a neat time with the Lord. So we continued on up in about an hour and a half, two hours later. Um, Elizabeth, she'd already kind of said she wasn't feeling great and was obviously not, was getting worse as we were driving, tra traveling. And so she said, I, you know, we got to, we got to pull over. Like, I think I'm having a miscarriage. And so mm -hmm. we pull into this, we pull into this rest stop and we've got champion who's sleeping. And so I was like, well, do you want me to come with you and get champion out? Or she's like, no, just leave, just stay here with him and I'll just go in. And so she went in and she had a miscarriage in that bathroom and she came out 15 minutes later and was just so sad you know it was really really tough um and of course we just we bawled and was scared you know is she okay like she's right. bleeding now a lot um you know do we need to get a hospital so like we're not sure what exactly to do so it's like well 
are you feeling okay? Like, do you feel like you have enough energy? Like, do we go home? Do we, or not home, but go up to the cottage? Like, we were very close to the cottage at that point. We are like an hour away. Um, she's like, do we press on? Do we go find a hospital? Like, what do we need to do? And right. she's like, I oh. think I'm okay. Let's just go to the cottage. And when you're not like home and you're like, yeah. Yeah. Weird, and right? so <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was so hard and so very scary too at that. I was definitely like, I remember being, being just scared that she was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but she kind of was like, no, I'm okay. Like I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just drove up, we made it up to the cottage and of course everything ended up, she was fine. Uh, she was healthy and she never went to the doctor or anything actually after that <laughs> miscarriage. Uh, she never went and got checked out or nothing. She just, she knew that she had had the miscarriage and, um, she had seen what she needed to, to know what had happened and, and, uh, yeah, she was perfectly healthy. So it was, yeah, it was so tragic. I couldn't have told you maybe one person out of my family or like even like my friends or church, like I think I could kind of think of one person that I knew of that had a miscarriage. Like I had no clue that one in four, I think it is women will experience a miscarriage sometime in their childbearing years. Like it's not that uncommon, but I had no clue. Mm -hmm. So it really like, it just felt like it totally blindsided me. Um, And Elizabeth as well, I think Um, maybe not quite as much her grandma had had a few different uh her grandma had had a few different miscarriages hmm. and so she i think was maybe was a little more aware of it than i would have been but either way it was just is absolutely devastating and it was just super hard and when you have one that like everything goes well like i feel like yeah you, you just kind of expect like, right. oh okay we've yeah. done this before Perfect. it's all gone well like it's gonna no go well problem. again yeah Yep. So it really caught us by surprise and was really hard. The, uh, I think it, it kind of sent us both into a time of depression for a while. Um, and I really didn't even realize, I think that that's what I was experiencing or that's what I was going through. Um, for quite a while, I didn't, I didn't even know, but looking back after we kind of came out of that time, like there was really a good solid year probably of just, mm-hmm. yeah, everything was dark. Everything was hard. I mean, we, we had each other and we had our little, our little buddy and we're so thankful, my goodness, so thankful still that we had him, mm-hmm. um, that I think made it a little bit bearable. Maybe I don't know what it would have been like if we didn't have a little mm-hmm. buddy already that we were yeah. worrying about and taking care of all the time. Um, I can't imagine how much more difficult it would have been. But yeah, it was really hard and it just, everything was just kind of under a cloud for a while. And I didn't necessarily want to talk about it as much. She wanted to talk about it more and was more vocal about it. I think as a guy, we kind of want to just be like, it happened. We can't do anything about it. You know, a bummer, but like, let's move on because talking about it's probably not going to make any difference obviously we're not going to bring the baby back (laughs) right so i think that's probably a typical ish guy response um but i kept on 
having these conversations with her and trying to help her process and go through and deal with the emotions and the the pain and the trauma of the experience um, was definitely hard. But one thing that helped me, I think brought me a lot of healing um, was the maybe two weeks-ish after uh, the miscarriage had happened. I was with my dad and we were driving and he kind of said, you know, how you doing? And uh, in that way that you know, he's really genuinely asking, how am I doing and what's going on? And, um, you know, he's there to talk. And so I kind of shared a little bit and, and talked a little bit. And as I was talking to him about everything that happened, I was recounting the fact that we were on that spot of the highway where I was prompted to pray and where God gave me the name, Leanne. And in that moment when I was with my dad, it hit me that for years, God had met me in that spot. And I don't know if that's where the baby died, but in my heart, I feel like that probably is when the baby actually died. It wasn't during that moment. And the fact that God had met me there over and over and over again, just, it blew me away. It still hurt, but it was, uh, I see you and I know you. And even though this isn't easy, you're going to make it through. And I am in control. And it just gave me such confidence to know that even though this was really rough, that God cared and that he had a plan. Um, And that that spot that was so special and precious to me, I had no clue what was going to happen there. But he knew what was going to happen there. So Mm -hmm. the fact that he would prick my heart and meet with me time and time again there was just so special, so precious. And so for me, that gave me a level of healing, I think, and a level of of just feeling the Father's heart for me through that process. And it kind of freed me to be like, okay, this really sucks, but God is is still God and he is so good. Mm -hmm. Um, He's so faithful. For her, it took her a while before she got to that point and kind of had really had a God moment um, that healed her up more from some of that stuff. So and you can hear more about that in episode 37. <laughs> episode 37. <laughs> oh, good job. You found it. Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, But yeah, still I had to walk through then with her and still my own stuff. Like I still had my own hurt and my own disappointment and and uh you know, my own trauma that I had to kind of work through with the whole experience, um, for sure. But definitely had to have more conversations about that. I probably would have liked to, but, um, I felt like it was important just to hear her out. Mm -hmm. And even if it was the same thing over and over again, just to let her say her piece and just make sure she knows that I care and that I'm there and I'm listening. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, You know, that's what I would say to any guy, just to make sure you stay present for your wife, even if that means you have to go into the pain with her. Um, Because I feel like in times it would bring it back up when, you know, maybe I would have been fine, Mm -hmm. but then she brings it up. And so then, then I do feel that pain and I feel that stab, you know, Mm -hmm. even now we're talking about it today. There's still a little bit of pain in there that you feel. Um, Grief. Yeah, a little bit of grief that's there, not anything like it was. Um, 
but yeah, there's still stuff there. I think you, you, grief is a process, and I think it's kind of never ending in in some ways. Like <clears throat> it will change and it will get better, but uh, I think you're always you'll have a little bit of levels um, to kind of work through and to to process through as as those things come up. I don't think you want those all to go away because part of it is um you know your connection to that person are those feelings right so Mm -hmm. um not that you want to cling to them (laughs) or hold on to them Mm -hmm. um but i think it's okay to to acknowledge that there was a loss and that that it was hard and it hurt um i don't think that's a bad thing right i don't think so either yeah But definitely, I think it was important to just continue walking through it, even if it meant going into more pain myself, to walk through it with her, um, I feel like was very important. Finally, after about a year, I started to come out of, I call it depression. I don't know if there's a better name for it or if it was just grief or what, you know, Mm -hmm. what it was, but. I started to come out of it, I think a little bit before she did. Um, but still it was a good year good year after. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, like I'm starting to feel normal again. Mm-hmm. You know, the sky feels blue and the clouds are nice and white and you know, mm-hmm. I feel a heaviness is gone that was there and you kinda realized in retrospect how heavy and how dark that last year had felt and how those feelings of really joy and happiness were you still had good moments um but you just everything was kind of had this blanket over top of it right isn't it interesting when you're in one of those seasons which i think sometimes can last a long time or Mm -hmm. you can have a week like that or a month or you know or a or an event that happened that causes that kind of a time but I think that we don't always like, I don't think we always can recognize that when we're walking through it. It is more looking back, but I think it's, I think it's interesting because I think that it, it just makes me think like one of the reasons why we need like a community of people, because I feel like those people can maybe even see that at times when we can't see it ourselves. And you know, I think we're supposed to be there for each other and hold each other up and that kind of thing. And I think that that's part of why, because we don't, yeah, we just don't always recognize it. I don't think, cause it feels normal, you know, it feels mm-hmm. normal on that day that it feels like there's a cloud, right. but, mm-hmm. but it's not normal, you know, but it's yeah. like a part yep. of, part of life and a part of walking through life. And yeah, yeah, you see it so much more clearly when you get to the other side, later. <laughs> look back mm-hmm. on it for sure. Yep. Um, and that is, yeah, having a community that's supportive and is huge, like for sure. And I think, yeah, for people that, you know, maybe you haven't experienced a miscarriage, uh, but you know, maybe you hear of somebody that's in your friend group or in your family that is going through it. Um, I would say a lot of times it's, it's just like any kind of loss it's hard to know what to say or what to mm-hmm. do 
Um, but I think even just acknowledging it and just saying, hey, like, I have no clue what to say, but I know this is on your mind all the time and, you know, it's on mine too and I care and I love you. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, and that's just huge. show your support. Um, I think that, uh, I think that's important. I think to let people know, you know, they're not alone. And, uh, I think that's really, really important. So, yeah. Mm, So then to complete the story kind of for us, we were a few years of not having any pregnancies at all for two years. And then we had a pregnancy, miscarriage, pregnancy, miscarriage so we had three miscarriages in a row and I was kind of starting to feel like I don't know if this is worth it Mm. um maybe we just should not try and have any more kids Mm. uh because it's just it's so hard on her and as I'm thinking that we got pregnant right away again and so at that time it was like after the two that after the two miscarriages after the two that were back to back so it was a third one in all um, we got pregnant. So the, the first miscarriage happened in 2014 and then it was 2015, 16, 17. I think it was 2017 when the next two, uh, yes. miscarriages happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they happened back to back within a few months of each other, had one. And then a few months had another one. And then a few, like another month and a half later, we were pregnant again. Mm. And that was mm-hmm. really hard. That was kind of like... Oh man, like, are, are we gonna have to go through this again? Um, yeah, it's scary. The other ones, they they didn't hurt as bad. I think they weren't as shocking or traumatic because, at least, at that point, you kind of knew it was a possibility, and this mm-hmm. was something that happened. And I had heard that was another thing too that helped me a lot was I heard different stories of ladies that you know I would have would have been friends with their children, and I had not known that they had had a miscarriage and, and, uh, so yeah, different people in my community and stuff and hearing their stories and, uh, helped me a lot for sure. Realize that, you know, Hey, this is horrible, but it happens and, you know, you'll live through it and you'll, you know, you'll move on. But when we got pregnant then with Zoe, I was, I think we were both, yeah, very worried, trying not to be, you know, focusing on the fear, but definitely it was very, very hard to, kind of get excited for that first little bit because it was like you know you don't want to get attached and just have your heart broken again and so once we got kind of past that they had all pretty much been within about a week of the 10 week period that she had miscarried so when we got past that 10 week and then 11 week and 12 week Mm -hmm. and 13 and 14 like it started to feel like okay like I think maybe we're going to be okay um, I think, I don't know what the percentage is, but I know a huge percentage is before like 21 weeks is when most women mm-hmm. will miscarry. Yeah. And so when we hit that milestone, I remember feeling like a big sigh of relief, like, okay, like we're going to be okay. We're going to have this baby. <laughs> we're going to have this baby. It's <laughs> going to make it. On earth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and we did and she came out and it was very, very special and just really neat. And then. We enjoyed it so much, we decided to have another baby exactly one year later, minus less 10 than, days. Less than a year later. Yep, less than a year later by 10 days. So we had two February girls in 2018 and 2019. So that, uh, yeah, brings us up to now. And my wife is currently pregnant, so we'll have another one 
very shortly. So it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's fun. This one's yeah. a boy. This one is a boy. Yep. So, so we'll fun. have two boys and two girls. My seven or almost seven year old. Call. I'm as bad as he is being seven already. <laughs> <laughs> My almost seven year old is so excited that it's a boy and that he's gonna have a little brother because he's been wanting a brother so bad. Oh my so it was funny because people are like, "Oh, are you like happy it's another boy?" And I was like, "I couldn't really care. Like, I love my girls. I love my boy. Like, it really didn't matter to me, but." It's fun to see him so excited. I think that uh, his idea of what a brother is going to be and what a brother actually is going to be is going to be a little different since he's going to be seven years. Yeah. Um, possibly to the day. It's possible. Her due date is one week after his birthday. So it's very possible that baby could come on his birthday. Totally. Oh but either way, almost exactly seven years apart. So... They're going to be in very different stages of life. It is funny because he's probably picturing like his cousins, you know, like he's picturing Oh, for sure. He's picturing. Yeah. And I'm sure that they'll be friends and have a great relationship, but it's weird because it's not until they're adults like us, I guess, probably. Yeah. And you guys are only four years or like five. Five and a half. Yeah. Five and a half. Five and a half. Like six by the year, but five and a half. Actually. I thought that mom always said four kids in under five years. Five and under. Four kids, I was still five, five when she was born. Four kids, five and under. Yeah, she was okay. five and a half. So going to be six, six. In six months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Either so. way. So that's not that far off then. Yeah. So 86 So really only a year. Years, right. Only one year off When they get a little older, of, it'll... Yeah. Only one year off of what uh, champion of the new little guy will be. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Your little guy will get to be friends with my... Yeah. With my little boys and Harrison, of course. Yes. Really fun. Yep. Yes. It's always intriguing to me to think about like when they grow up, like which ones are going to be <laughs> yes. friends. And what like you can would. see, obviously the older ones even now, you know, like Champion and Castle are, yeah. you know, will probably be friends and whatever. Right. But it's just interesting, like all of these little ones that are born within a couple of years, mm-hmm. like like how those friend know. groups will sort of break down right. and you don't know which who personalities will hang with who. Will, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because like know. our cousins, we love all our cousins, but like right. different ones, you know, are closer not right, right yeah and fine. even in dis- different seasons yeah. of life i feel like i get along with all of them good when we get the chance totally. to hang out in but yeah different yeah. seasons like yeah you mm-hmm. have different relationship and different amounts of relationship with different ones at different times yep. for sure yep but. it's fun cousins are great so elizabeth never had any cousins she grew up she was um she was the first of five and her dad had one sister who didn't get married until much, much later in life. And so she never had any kids. And then her mom had two sisters, one that was um, mentally challenged and so obviously never got married. And she passed away then. And then another one that has never gotten married either, even to this day, is not married. And so she never had any cousins or any of that. So I remember when we were dating and she would come down and like this humongous family, she was like, Oh my goodness, this is like craziness. And I was like, I know, but it's the best, like all these friends and family. And like, it's just so much fun, but she's grown to appreciate the extended family. And it's fun now that we're building, you know, our own extended family and that she's got siblings that are married now and, mm-hmm. and one brother that's had a couple kids. And so it's fun too, to think about on that side, like how that's going to be and, they'll all get to kind of experience cousins through their kids that they never got to right. growing up. So. Yeah. It is so different. Like, because we are so close with our cousins, right. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
it's right. We're so close physically in distance, right. and therefore, yeah, we get to have a relationship with them, yeah. which is fun. It's pretty cool. But yep. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story, and I think it's, yeah, I think I love just hearing the little pockets of God's faithfulness. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. so within. Good. And even just how he redeems. And that's not, I mean, it's not everybody's story. There's people that they had three miscarriages and they, they never did have, yeah. you know, yep. don't have any children on, on earth, you know? Yeah. And, um, I know God, God can work in that too, but mm-hmm. I love for you, of course, that your story is, you know, you also had three more children yeah. that, that are here on earth and we get to love and enjoy and all of that. Yep. So yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's always it's very interesting now when I hear um somebody else that's had when I hear somebody else that's had a miscarriage um yeah, I think about it a lot differently now obviously, sure. you know, than I did and I certainly pray for them differently. Um but yeah, it's it's always hard. Your heart definitely your heart definitely is broken for them. Um and uh so I think there's definitely some of the good that comes out of it is that level of empathy and yep. understanding. Um for me, you know, I like I said, I'm a monument guy, I sell monuments, gravestones. I had never really had any loss. My grandparents, um, I've lost one grandpa and some great grandparents that I knew but even I still have three living grandparents right uh to this day and so yeah I really had not experienced loss and yet that's what I deal with on a you know on a daily basis a lot of times and so um being able to understand a little bit of that pain and a little bit of that trauma that people go through when you lose somebody Mm -hmm. um I think was really professionally it was it was a blessing in disguise um, to be able to relate to people, understand a little bit, and uh, know where people are coming from. So sure, and it's not like it's not like oh, we wish for that pain. No, but certainly not. we can we can look and say we can look and recognize how God does use yeah. the things you know, yeah. like the Bible says about just that Satan things that Satan maybe intends for evil but god you know turns it and uses it for good and i think that that's a good a great example of that and really true yep i love it yeah did you already ask him what's good about the fakes if so i missed it (laughs) no (laughs) okay well what's good about today what's good about today christian everything no not everything actually it's been a really good day the fact that you get to see your beautiful sisters mostly What's good about today is that I got to come over and play, obviously. <laughs> but <laughs> the fact that in, it is the near the end of the first week of n- November, and it was over sixty-five degrees, and I got my motorcycle out and I did like close to fifty miles on my motorcycle today. That was really awesome. That is super fun. good. Yeah, here in the North Country, like we said, it's November, and a couple days ago we had snow, like. Mm-hmm. There still storm. is snow around. There's As still, I was driving my motorcycle, still there, was, a little bit. Yeah. there was definitely like pockets of snow here. Yeah. There. <laughs> so that was like four days ago. And now like for the next few days, it's going to be like really nice. high 60s, 70s. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yep. So nice. Such a blessing. 
I love the snow, but I would take it all month if it would come. Yeah, I love it too. But I'm really also nice like Thanksgiving really happy that I got yeah. to go to the park today, like and let Alien play. Right. Just so fun yeah. because you know that like at a certain point there's like months of right. no being able, not right. being able to like we do have those kind of things. So exactly. Long. So like right, the, the longer it waits. It's fine yeah. with me. <laughs> but I was happy for just like the little like couple days of like, oh, this is a good fun feeling. And then it was like, fun to see the kids like I'm getting more and more kids that are old enough to be excited about the oh, snow, which more is and more super kids. fun. Well, at first, like it was just champion. Right. Mm-hmm. But now for years, both of the girls are kind of old enough. Zoe definitely is old enough to like get excited about the snow. Yes. And Zamira, even she likes to go outside and play in the snow and it's super fun. Yeah. <laughs> when I got home, so it snowed and everything was covered and I got home two days later and that day all the snow had pretty much melted away. And so I got home and I go, Zamira, what did you do to all the snow in the backyard? And she looks at me and she goes, it all gone. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. <laughs> it's so adorable. Yeah, we've been it talking about gone. the snow all week. Ilian last week was like asking about snow. Like he was asking. Even before it snowed. Yes. That's so funny. So I had Maybe a, he's going to be a weatherman. I took a video Maybe. of him, of him like finding out that there was snow the mor- in the morning. Oh uh-huh. my goodness. And it was so, so fun just like knowing that, that like, so like at midnight when I saw the snow, I was like, oh my word, he is going to be so excited. Yeah. And I just remember, I remember that first snow almost, you oh, know, just yeah. like. It's looking outside <gasps> what oh as a kid goodness. like there's probably very few things that are as good as waking up to the first snow like it's magical yeah, definitely it it's is. amazing of course amazing. harrison didn't like remember it from last year and right. he was like we like pointed out to him out the window and he's like bubbles, bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that would be cool to just have like bubbles all over nice. but and then even nice. even when i took him out and let him play on the deck and he was like Bubbles, and I'm like, bubbles. not bubbles, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> That's but. fun. All right, well, thanks again for yeah. being here and chatting thanks with for us. Me. Thanks for being a brother. I already said that. I already said thanks for. Thanks for. <laughs> you're welcome, sir. We love you. We're glad that you're alive. Love you guys. <laughs> thanks for having me. We are glad you're alive. Have a good day. Yeah.